What's going on, everybody? Yeah, it's been it's been over a year, uh, and I I'm not mad at it. I don't get up here very often, so <clears throat> I'm I'm pretty nervous to get up here, even though I'm, I'm up here singing <clears throat> a lot. It's a lot different when I don't have a guitar in front of me, but I've got this, so this is kind of kind of like my little comfort zone here. Um, man, my name is Alan. A lot of you probably know me. I think I know uh, most of you. Uh, I was born and raised here, uh, kind of a short story. Uh, I was born and raised here for a long time. I actually grew up with Jasper, uh, grew up a lot of my life with Kyle. Uh, I've got a beautiful wife, Shay, down here, and we got two kiddos. Hey, Ellie. She's never been in here before, so this is kind of cool for me. We moved off for a long time, and then the Lord led us back here, uh, gosh, going on, I guess, four years ago in October. Is that right? Yeah, four years ago. And uh, man, it's just a joy to get to serve alongside uh, those two men, to get to serve alongside y'all here. This is a church unlike any church that we've ever that we've ever been to. Just the the community atmosphere, the genuineness. Uh, so I absolutely love it. So uh, you may have to bear with me a little bit uh, before I get started. Um, yeah, I want to give a shout out to the team up here. It, it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of. Uh, I don't want to say pressure, but undoubtedly, y'all may not know this, every week something breaks up here right before we start. So this keyboard, it's been going in and out. I think it's been giving Patricia some time the last couple of weeks. They just stopped working today. And so, so they shuffle things around. Um, but the reason that we get together, and that's kind of if, if you're taking notes and you want to write like a header, I'm not going to give a whole lot of notes. You can write, there's a reason. So the reason <clears throat> that this team gets up here every week and they, they sing the songs, and they put up with some technological uh, issues, is because Christ is alive. And it's because we can sing songs like Hosanna that our God saves. So we can shout these phrases up, and then we can say as a people, oh, praise the name of the Lord our God, for He is great. And so regardless of what happens up here, um, we can acknowledge that each and every week. So team, man, y'all did a great job. Uh, we've been in Psalms, so this is week maybe five, six, Psalms, something like that. Last week, Kyle talked about uh, Psalm 91. I want to give a really quick recap of it. Psalm 91, uh, in essence, says that God is our fortress. He is our refuge, um, that we can dwell in Him. If we dwell in the Lord, we can then abide in Him. So we can dwell in His goodness. We can abide in His faithfulness, um, that He alone is our deliverer. And you'll see this a lot in the Psalms. Um, you'll see this a whole bunch throughout the Psalms. So Psalms are uh, poems, in a sense, songs a lot of times. So they're, they're written out, and a lot of them are written by uh, David, which the one that we'll talk about today was. And they're, they're kind of outcries, uh, or, or they're, they're what's on his heart. They're a way uh, just like we sing up here as songwriters, there are ways to kind of release what's in your brain that you're trying to speak to the Lord, maybe that you don't know how to get, so you, so you write something out. And sometimes it's as simple as just saying, we praise you, Lord, for we don't know what else to say. So that's how a bunch of these psalms are, is, is they all will have, uh, most of them will have this common thread of, of, of God, you are our deliverer. You are our strength. You are my strength. And then some of them are, are what we call laments, so some of them get kind of sad. And then there will be another one that kind of lifts it right back up, it seems, that just at the end of the day, they're, they're proclaiming that, God, you are our strength. 
And this psalm is not a whole lot different, but there are a couple interesting things that I want to talk about uh, briefly about this one. So we're going to be in Psalm 30. So if you've got your Bible or if you've got an app, um, please turn over to Psalm 30. I'll give you just a second. And yeah, much of this is the same of, of what you'll read a lot, like the Psalms that, uh, that Angel read earlier. Um, they all had this common theme of all praise the Lord. And those are just kind of from, from random different spots in the, in the Psalm, just to show that, that they, I will praise the Lord. So before we read it, I'm going to turn over there as well. And uh, let's pray together as we read the Lord's word. So, uh, God, we love you. I ask that you uh, calm my spirit this morning. I ask that for all of us that we can hear your word, understand your word, be encouraged by your word. And we thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done. And I thank you for this church family. So this morning we acknowledge that the reason we can praise you is because you are our risen king. I pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so yeah, there's a couple interesting things about this one, but before... Let's read it. And I was, man, I was singing. I think I've done, my voice has finally gotten better. And now I'm singing so loud down there. I was like, well, there it goes again. It's a shot. So it's a little growling in there. So Psalm 30. It is titled, uh, I'm reading out of the ESV, so yours might read a little bit differently. Uh, we'll address some of that in a second. But joy comes with the morning. A Psalm of David. A song at the dedication of the temple. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. You have brought up my soul from Sheol. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. As for me... I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face. I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Okay, so let's kind of dig into this a little bit. So I'll start with the very first. This is one of the interesting uh, uh, facts. Maybe it's a useless interesting fact. I'm not sure, but I'm going to tell it to you anyway. So um, this is Psalm number 30. This is actually the first psalm that is uh, kind of uh, scripted at the top there as a song. So a lot of psalms were probably uh, maybe poems they would recite. Uh, We see it throughout the rest of of psalms that there are quite a bit of, of songs that they would sing. This is just the first one that's got that 
specific label on it. Uh, and as a guy that likes music, I thought that was pretty, pretty cool. Um, what we also know is that this was a song, so David actually writes this as something to be sung at the dedication of either the temple or, or the house. And I say that because if you've got uh, maybe an NIV version, I believe it might say House of David um, instead of the temple. So I've got the, the ESV and it says temple. Some of them may say house. The actual Hebrew word there for temple would really just say house. So I only address that in case you're out there and you're like, hey, mine doesn't say temple. Mine says house. So what we do know for a fact is that David wrote this at the dedication of something. Um, but I'll give a little quick, uh, I don't want to say history, but of what it could have been, just because I think it's fascinating. And I'm up here, so I'm just going to say it. How about that? Um, so the temple would have been, so in, in the Old Testament, uh, you may remember when they were running around Egypt for, for years and years, they were carrying this thing called the Ark of the Covenant. And everywhere they would go, they would, they would put it in a tent. Um, and so they, they kept carrying this thing. This is where the, the Lord was said to have dwelled. And uh, fast forward many years from that, and David wants to build the Lord a temple. Um, and so uh, David actually doesn't build the temple. His son Solomon does. Uh, but this temple is where they would have stored the Ark of the Covenant, which is this big, you know, you would have walked in this big, huge temple, and normally I've got graphics, but I couldn't find anything that, that, I, that I really like. So just imagine you walk in this big place, and there would be steps, and then you walk in this other little room, and then there would have been this big veil that, that you might have heard of that, that's referenced in the New Testament when Jesus says, you know, I will, I will destroy the temple and, and tear the veil. So it would have been a temple with the big veil, all of that for this Ark of the Covenant. So there is a thought that when he's writing this, he is writing it to be sung at the dedication of that temple. And I think that's great, but I'm not positive that that's what it's for. Uh, so I just wanted to throw that out there and be as accurate as I can. There's also the thought that it was just for his house, his palace, King David's palace, uh, because it was customary when they, they finished something to dedicate it to the Lord to sing praises to him, and they would have all the people gather around. It would be kind of like if, if, if me and Shay built a house today, we would call all of you and say, let's dedicate our house where we dwell to the Lord. So that's also customary. Um, I don't think we really know exactly which one it is, but I did want to say it in case there's some confusion of like, hey, mine says temple, mine says house. I'm not sure. We're really not sure either because the psalm doesn't specifically address which one. But either way, David is celebrating the Lord in this, okay? So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, uh, and I'm going to break this up into, into different sections. So if you've got uh, a notepad or a pen or something like that that you write with, I'm really bad about giving points. Um, so I want to apologize in advance. I'm really bad about it. Josh asked me today, he's like, what all points do you have? And I said, no, <laughs> I don't have any points. So uh, I think the last time I preached that, you get to make your own points. But I do have sections, so if you want to section it off, we're going to do uh, five different sections. And I'll even go ahead and tell you the sections. So verses 1 through 3 will be section 1. Verses 4 through 5 will be section 2. 6 through 7, section 3. 8 through 10, section 4, and then 11 and 12, section 5. So these are kind of different, different uh, tones that David gets. So let's just start. We're just going to read all of it and kind of talk about it. Uh, and hopefully this will be edifying to you, edifying to the Lord, and we can grow in our faith and love 
a little bit. All right. So, I extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. So we'll stop right there. So the word extol is not a word that I ever use. Ever. And so I looked it up. I was like, let me, I've seen it a lot. I know that it kind of means like exalter or praise. So extol would be a word meaning um, enthusiastically praising. So when we get up here and we sing, the heart behind this is an enthusiastic praise of the Lord. It's not just a, I praise you, Lord. It is, I praise you, Lord, for what you have done. So it's something that David acknowledges that this is an excitement within him because of who the Lord is. So that's what that word extol means. So I I praise you. I'm I'm enthusiastically glad, happy to you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol, or just a death. You have brought me from death. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. So he is referencing here that he acknowledges that the Lord is the one that has made him alive. And I don't mean just alive like he is breathing, but it is the Lord that has brought him from where he has been. And so it made me ask the question, well, where is, where is David been? So a couple quick things about David. In 1 Samuel, it talks about David being um, uh, very skillfully, a uh, skillful musician. And so again, I'm like, yeah, I like this guy, David. Uh, that, that he was uh, a man of valor, that he's actually a warrior. So this is the same David that was a shepherd when he was young. This is the same David um, that we read in little books with my daughter, with Goliath. This is the same King David that, uh, that was military-minded and led thousands, was in charge of thousands of, uh, of soldiers leading them off to war. This is the same David um, who had a guy killed on the front line. This is the same David that had an affair with that guy's wife. This is the same David that, um, that had to run from King Saul. This is the same David that God says is a man after my own heart. So David's life has done a lot of this. A whole lot of this. And we don't know specifically, but we can assume pretty safely that this was written towards the end of his life. This is written after much of that stuff has happened. And so David's writing this from a heart and from a place knowing where God has brought him from knowing that his actions in the past, although some good, would still lead him to death because of murder, (laughs) adultery, wickedness, and just evil in his heart at times. So even with that, David can say, I praise you enthusiastically, Lord, because you are the one that has brought me up. And so that's, that's my story to a T. Uh, except for the murder, except for other parts of it. I haven't murdered anybody, had affairs, but I'm wicked. I'm a wicked person. And if it wasn't for the Lord, I mean, and we'll get into that in a second, like my life is meaningless. So that's kind of a little bit about David. 
And that helps my brain go, man, okay, let me get there a little bit. So David, David, David is crying, you have not let my foes rejoice over me. Uh, he is still alive and kicking at this point in time. He says, oh Lord, I cried for you to help and you healed me. You brought me up um, from death. You've restored my soul. And remember, this is a song. So this is how his song starts. It's just a declaration of, of where he's been. And then he turns to the people and he says in section two here, sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. So this is something as a, as a guy that sings songs we try to do all the time is we try to turn our attention to, to, to you, you would be his saints, and encourage you to do the same thing, that we can praise the holy name of the Lord. And why do we praise the holy name of the Lord? It is because he has brought us up. For his anger is but for a moment. And so again, in context, David knows that the Lord's anger is real. David actually wanted to build that temple. That was, that was kind of one of his things. And the Lord, uh, in essence, said, you've got too much uh, blood on your hands. You're not going to build the temple. You're going to prepare the temple. Your son Solomon will build the temple. So David knows firsthand what it's like to be humbled by the Lord. He knows firsthand what it's like uh, for the Lord's wrath and the Lord's anger. And you may feel that way too. In fact, you probably do or you have at some point. I know I have. Has anybody ever felt like they've just failed uh, unrecoverable, uh, unrecoverably to not be recovered? Has anybody ever hurt somebody else where you see their anger and their hurt even justifiable and you think this is, there's no way this can be reconciled? So our relationship with the Lord is very much like that. This is a real relationship. And David knows this. And so he's encouraging them. He is encouraging them that, um, uh, that his anger may be for a moment, but then he can look at his whole lifetime and say, but his favor is for a lifetime. So David has been held by the Lord throughout all of those adversities, throughout all of those trials. Even within the anger, he can stand firm and say, I know that my Lord is with me. He can write, what, 100, well, he didn't write all of the Psalms, but there's, what, 150? It's more than 145, I know that. 150, I think, um, that he wrote a majority of them. And so he can, he can say these things because the Lord is faithful. And so I encourage you with that as well. No matter what the anger, no matter what the moment might feel like, know that in Christ, His favor remains for your lifetime. Not because you're good, because you're not, I'm not, but because he's good. And that's encouraging to me. It's very encouraging to me. And then David turns and he starts making it a little bit personal again. Uh, and we'll get, if, if, you're, if, you're take, if you are taking points, I'm going to have two points for you. I, I lied. I'm going to say that again. So the first one would have been the word extol, excitingly uh, uh, celebratory. And then the second one's going to be in this little section here in section three. It says, as for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. Anybody ever been there before? Everything's going great. And you're like, man, life is good. 
Life is good. I'm fine. If you're like me, when things tend to go good, I tend to pray less because I rely on myself more. Well, that's what he says here, right? So he says, I shall never be moved. And then he even acknowledges that the Lord is, is the one that's helped him. He says, by your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. So it's almost like this hypocrisy that he can still acknowledge that the Lord is the one doing it, <clears throat> but still have the audacity to say, I shall not be moved within my own prosperity. That's, that's how I am all the time. I can tell you that I know it's the Lord that has uh, blessed me, that has given wisdom, that has given skill, but yet, if you look at my life, most of the time, I'm going to be operating in my own prosperity. And I'll be thinking of my own thoughts that, that I can't be moved. Until, here's where verse, uh, the end of verse 7. He says, you hid your face and I was dismayed. So that would be that second word is dismayed that one of the best definitions that I could find that would fit, um, uh, or, or not that would fit, that would kind of wrap up all the emotions within dismay, that's another word I don't use very often, would be horrified. And so in essence, he is saying, Lord, you hid your face from me and I was horrified. And so it got me thinking, why would he be what, what makes it being horrified if the Lord's not there? And then I just stopped and I repeated that sentence to myself. If the Lord's not there, that is a scary thing. Why? Because we read right up earlier is because His name is holy. Because He is praiseworthy and He is good. And so David's acknowledging that in his own prosperity... He tries to stand firm until he realizes that without the Lord, that is a horrifying event. So I got a question that I want to pose uh, just for you to think about. So there's this thing called the fear of the Lord. Um, and I'd always grown up with it just being a reverence, which I do believe that it is. Uh, and by reverence, I mean it's, it's like a healthy fear, like, like you would uh, want to make sure that you present yourself well. You would uh, want to make sure that you don't backtalk, kind of like with my parents or something. You know, I, I have a healthy fear of them. It's not a terrifying fear normally. But I don't think that we only see that in Scripture. You see phrases like, um, uh, I believe it's in uh, Revelation, when they, they see the Lord and he says they fell down to his knees like he was dead. Like he was terrified. And so it got me thinking, with the God of, uh, of uh, the, the Lord of hosts, the God Almighty, our Creator, came busting through those doors right now, I don't think I would be like, hey, God, what's up? We've been praising you. I think I would be terrified because of my sin. I think I would be horrified. And in Scripture, you always see that, and then, but then you see the Lord always come back and say, well, do not, do not be dismayed. Do not fear, for I'm with you. It's the Lord that brings that fear away, but that's our natural response. Because He's holy and we're not. And so I, I wanted to share this. Uh, well, and you see this with, with, with Solomon. We talked about, I think, Ecclesiastes maybe a year or so ago. 
we went through Ecclesiastes. And um, at the end of it, uh, Solomon pretty much says, at the, end, the end of it is all this. It's all meaningless without the Lord. Fear the Lord. Do what he says. Obey him. Fear it. Like he, He's kind of went through everything in Ecclesiastes. He's done it all under the sun. Without God, it means nothing. Which would be why he would be horrified. So, um, I went on YouTube and I was like, let me just, let me YouTube some things because that's where I get all of my theological knowledge. <laughs> I hope that's not true. Uh, but I did go to YouTube and I pulled up a video. I forget who it was. So I pulled up a couple of them just to listen to a couple of preachers' thoughts on the fear of the Lord, you know, uh, of, of the terrified side versus just the reverent side. And uh, I believe it was a John Piper video and he's going through it, and it was all fine. But I started reading the comments, because I, I get nerdy on some of that stuff. And this is what one of the comments said. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it exactly like it was, <clears throat> it was written. In just one second, I'm going to flip somewhere else too, though, while I do that. And I have no idea who wrote this comment. But I thought it was uh, noteworthy. It said this. Again, the video was on the fear of the Lord. It said, fear equals being miserable. Then the person said, I don't see any reason to fear when I know I'm doing the right thing. And God will save everyone who is purely good in their own heart. <clears throat> and I read that and I thought... That's definitely not true. But that's a mentality. And then there were several other comments that would that would go from, yeah, oh yeah, there's you know, God is God is love. There's no need to fear if we just do the right thing. And then I just started reading all these comments and I was like, wait a second, this is not what scripture teaches at all. Actually, in Romans 3:10, it says this: it says, uh, as it is written, no uh, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. No, not even one. And so without the Lord, we're just worthless. And so David understands that when he says, without you, Lord, I am dismayed. I'm horrified. And as I kept reading through the comments, I said, I've got to address this. Not because we don't ever address this. Uh, praise the Lord, we've got Kyle that preaches faithfully each and every week. But then I got on another YouTube uh, rant and I started looking at it. And I mean, there were people that, that preached this right here. Maybe not as, as outward as that YouTube comment, but that do the best we can. And at the end of the day, it's all going to work out. And it's just not true. Because you're not good enough. I'm not good enough. Because of sin. Sin separates us from God. It is death. 100%. And so what Christ did is Christ gives us a reason to celebrate because He is alive. And just when I read that comment, it, just, it broke my heart and I was like, I've got to say something because maybe there's somebody here or maybe if you're watching online that have thought that. I would be lying if I said I've never thought that before in some way or another. Do something and say, oh, I did pretty good that. That was good. I know that's not true, but sometimes, again, my actions will show that in my prosperity, I'm the one that stands strong. 
But it's very important for us to know that the Lord is the one that holds us. So, uh, and you see this throughout the Psalm. Uh, Psalm 51, I believe, it says we should come to the Lord with a humble and contrite heart. You know, it's, this is not on our own. We come to the Lord because He is good, okay? Let me get back. Uh-oh, done lost it. Here we go. I'll find it. Got it. All right, so we're going to move on a little bit. I hope I'm not, I don't know if I'm going too fast. Again, I don't do this very often. Y'all should see my notes. They just look like a, look like Ellie wrote them for me. And you do great, baby. So section four, we're going to keep going. So he, he just kind of comes to the conclusion that I'm horrified without you. I'm dismayed. So section four, he moves on. Then he says, to you, O Lord, I cry. So he realizes, okay, without the Lord, I'm nothing. So now I cry. I plead to the Lord for mercy. Verse nine. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? So if I die, what profit is there? And he's still capitalizing on that. If, if, if the Lord, if you have hid your face, if you're not there, what profit is it if I die? He says, will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? So he's acknowledging that. He started off being very praiseworthy, and he says, if you're not there and I die, it is worthless, which is scripture would back up. It, it, we're, we're meaningless without the Lord. He gives us meaning in life. He says, hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. So he is acknowledging again that God is his helper. And I need to say that because I don't like help. Do I? No, you don't. I don't. I don't like help most of the time. I don't really know why that is. I just don't. I like to do things myself. I like to look at YouTube videos to find out how to fix things myself. Our ice maker broke, and so I'm like, I can get in there. Where's an ice pick? And so I couldn't find an ice pick, so I got like something you cut bread with, or I don't know, and I'm like shoving it, beating our ice maker last night. I didn't fix it. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just trying to get the ice out of there. I could probably call somebody that knows more about it, but my first gut instinct is like, I can do this. Somebody else can do it. I can do it. And that's kind of how I always live my life. So if somebody else can do it, I can do it too. And there's a lot of good things that come from that, but there's a lot of bad things that come from that. David has lived long enough that he realizes this. And so he's acknowledging that, O oh Lord, be my helper. And section five, this is the last part of it. He says, he, he, he finally flips the script a little bit more and he ends with, you have turned for me my mourning into dancing, which I'm not going to dance for y'all. <laughs> you have loosed my sackcloth and clothe me with gladness. And sackcloth isn't just, it's not, it's not simply just uh, garments. That would have been uh, uh, used in like mourning. And so that was kind of the tradition. They would wear sackcloth when they're sad and when they're mourning something. So really what he's saying is, you've turned all of that, that sadness into dancing. Now I can, I can shed those clothes and you clothe me with your gladness, if that makes sense. So it's not just like, I'm, he's changing my clothes here. It, it is, it is a, a state of, of mourning, of grief. And he's saying, that's where I am, but because of you, Lord, I'm no longer there. Praise God for that. And then he says that my glory 
may sing your praises, that my soul, that I may sing your praise uh, and not be silent. Oh, Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. There's an old, uh, I think I was telling Kyle and Jasper this earlier, there's an old Crowder song that I love. It just says, uh, I will not be silent. I will not be quiet anymore. And then it kind of ruins it because it just goes to like la la lays or some, some words that don't make any sense. But, but I've always loved that song because it gets really loud. It's one of the first songs I, 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 I learned when I started playing guitar. But that little phrase, and this is where I'm going to camp for the end of it, got me thinking about our society today. So we are in a place where there are, uh, there are things happening that we need to speak up on. If you watch the news, uh, it's everywhere, whether it be uh, political stances, whether it be uh, racial tensions, whether it be masks, whether it be what the, just all kinds of things. There are things that we need to say and speak up, and we're being encouraged to, uh, to, to not, not do this, and then other people might encourage you to not do that, and, and it's just this ongoing uh, loudness of noise to me. And I'm sure some of it's great and beneficial. I know some of it is, but there's just, there's all of this. And so when I read that, I thought, if there's anything I need to speak up on, it is this. So regardless of, of, of what else is happening in the world, what I want to encourage us as a body of believers here at New Life Community Church is if there's one thing not to remain silent on, it is that the Lord is praiseworthy. It is that He is good. Who cares how all the other stuff's going to play out if that's not true? It doesn't matter. Well, we know how it'll play out. It's just going to play out in death and destruction. And then it's just going to keep doing that. But if this is true, if the Lord is good, then let's speak on that. Let's have our social media, and I'm the worst at this because I don't do anything with social media. But, but if you're going to do something with social media, let's have it praise the Lord. If you're going to have conversations at work, let's have it praise the Lord. If you're going to have all these side conversations and coffee, let's have it praise the Lord. And not all the gossip that I see, that I hear, it's just inundated me and it just makes me, it's just noise to my head. And there's a place for a lot of this, but it just becomes noise to me. So that's what I want to do. I want you all to pray for me for that. That if I'm going to speak, to speak up for Christ. And I want to encourage you with that too. Because there is a reason that David can write all of this. I'm going to go ahead and ask the, the band to, to come up. I, I said at the very start, if you're going to write something down, write there's a reason. That was as creative as I could get. Because if this is not true, then we don't, have a, we don't have a reason to praise. We don't have a reason to come here. Other than we get to see everybody, it's fun, uh, maybe it makes us feel a little bit better about ourselves because we ain't out sinning or something like that. But there's really no purpose behind it. But if the Lord, Jesus, did come to earth and He did die for you and for me, so that we may be saved and have salvation and take on His righteousness, be heirs to the throne. 
and raise again in three days. If that is true, then there is a reason that we come together. There's a reason that we praise. There's a reason that we sing. So we're going to end this morning by singing a song called Praise the King. Because it lists things out like there's a reason um, why we can stand here now forgiven. There's a reason why we are not overtaken. There's a reason why our hope remains eternal. There's a reason why the curse of sin is broken. And the song always comes to the fact that says, Jesus is alive. Hallelujah, He's alive. So we can sing it out. Death, oh death, where is your sting? Hell, where is your victory? Because if that's not true, then what David's saying here, will the dust praise you? Uh, is there any prophet? Then, then there would be none. But because we can say that faithfully and confidently, we can sing out, death, where is your sting? Because we're not worthless. You're not worthless. In Christ, your life matters. What you say matters. What you do matters. I believe how we sing praises matter. So extol. Because if we don't have that, we're dismayed or we're horrified. So I'm asking you as we sing, I'm going to pray for us. Uh, as we sing, that you celebrate excitingly the goodness of the Lord, that we can extol the Lord together and praise the Lord for He is risen. Amen. Let's pray together. So Jesus, I thank You for who You are, Your death, burial, and resurrection that we may stand together as your people and praise you, extol you, celebrate who you are. And Lord, we thank you. We thank you. You've been so, so good. You've been so, so faithful. When I am not you are. You are the cornerstone and my rock. That so often goes unseen in my life and that is taken for granted for how you hold it all together. So this morning, we as a people want to publicly praise you and say that we will praise the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And we can do that earnestly because you are a God that saves, you are a God that is alive. So we love you, Lord. 
Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand.